Hello and welcome to the Crude Report podcast series from Argus on the global crude oil markets. This is Will Harwood, I'm Vice President for Business Development for Argus Media. And today we'll talk a little bit about Sokol Crude, which is one of the two key crudes exported from Sakhalin Island in Russia's Far East. Aslin Ahmad, who is the crude editor at Argus Media in Singapore, looks at the Asian market daily and is the best person to tell us all about the grade and where it fits in the Asian market. Welcome, Aslin. Hello, Will. Thank you for having me here. Let's start with some basics. Can you tell us a little bit about the background of the crude production and its logistics? Sure. Sokol is produced by the ExxonMobil-led Sakhalin One Consortium. So ExxonMobil and Japan's Sodeco each hold 30% stakes in Sakhalin One, while India's state-controlled ONGC and Russia's state-controlled Rostat have 20% shareholding. Sokol is a blend from three fields of the northeastern coast of Sakhalin and is brought ashore to the terminal of Dikastri on the Russian mainland. Dikastri has about 1.3 million barrels per day of storage, so 260,000 barrels per day exports means that the export logistics have to run pretty much like clockwork. And the weather conditions are pretty severe as well, aren't they? Yes, they load via a single point mooring system of the Dikastri terminal, which is specially reinforced to withstand pressures from the ice, and vessels have to be strengthened as the straits between Sakhalin Island and the mainland can see severe ice conditions. From Dikastri, cargoes go to Yosu in South Korea, where they discharge by STS, or ship-to-ship, to to the vessels that will take the cargoes to the final destination. So so so-called sales are typically done on a delivery basis CFR Yosu, or CFR STS Yosu. And can you tell us a bit more about who are the main sellers of Sokol? Well, it is usually the consortium members, so ExxonMobil, Sodeco, ONGC, um, who have the equity crude. And they are the ones that uh, tend to be the exporter. But you do have a lot of other trading companies that buy from these um, firms and will resell to refiners on the spot market. Okay, so a pretty uh, active trade as well then, is that? What, what about the number of cargoes? and? Where do they go? Typically, we see on average about 10 to 11 Aframex cargoes of Sokol that's um, exported a month. The main end-user buyers of Sokol are the North Asian refiners, so the refiners in South Korea, China, and Japan. But some volumes have also occasionally gone to places like Thailand, Singapore, and even Vietnam. Sokol is about 34.73 degrees API. And it has sulfur content of 0.29%. So it can compete with other light crews in Asia. Yes, I guess not surprising since it's produced so close to the Sakhalin area where the Espo blend also comes from. The quality is, is pretty similar to Espo, isn't it, I guess? Maybe a bit lower in sulfur? Yes, that's right. It sort of sits alongside Espo. Um, it is less than 0.3% sulfur, so it competes pretty well with uh, other grades, the lighter grades that flow into Asia-Pacific. Merban crude, such as Abu Dhabi and U.S. grades, especially those from the shale oil production around Midland in Texas, which generically get called WTI. Right. So there's a pretty wide range of crews available in Asia as well, isn't there? I think we see U.S. grades, uh, Middle East, and especially you know, North Sea grades ending up here as well as the barrels that are produced in the region like Sokol and Espo. 
Yes, true. And over the last few years, I think we've seen China has been increasing its coal imports every year as it builds new refineries or expands its existing um, refineries. And it has really become the world's marginal buyer. So the demand that comes from Asia-Pacific effectively balances the crude market. And that means that it is incredibly important for sellers to be involved in Asia-Pacific and specifically in China. And the trading companies always need to have access to the China market to work out the impact on other regions from being involved here. Yes, definitely a key region, uh, which all global players, if they want to be global players, have to cover properly, I think. Um, So Sokol is flowing many to buyers in Asia. And um, traditionally, Dubai, I guess, has been the crude that Asian refiners base their economics on and used to compare the value of different grades. Is that uh, that the same with Sokol? Yeah, more or less. Sokol does trade at a differential to Dubai. And that is mainly because, to some extent, um, it does compete with Melbourne crude. Not so much uh, more recently, it has competed with WTI since um, the U.S. has uh, started exporting um, U.S. crude. But um, we understand that um, on a term basis, deals for so-called typically used to buy plus the differential that is published by Argus. So the Argus so-called differential is considered the benchmark by many market participants. Oh, I see. So on the spot market, what would the factors be that uh, tend to, to drive the Sokol prices? Sokol has a good yield of middle dissonance. So what we see is that any strength or any deterioration in the Asian gasol and jet kerosene refining margins in particular has quite a big impact on Sokol prices. But also, the buyers of Sokol do buy grades quite regularly like US WTI. So Sokol prices can come under pressure if the refiners see WTI land in Asia at relatively prices, and they may consider buying more of the lighter, of the light sweet US crude. So that could mean lesser demand for Soko. So for example, right now in January, the market is trading March loading Soko cargos, which initially started trading at about premiums of $1.20 to $1.70 to Dubai on a CFR SPS Yosu basis. But we also hear that um, some of the deals have been done at below a dollar as uh, demand weakens just because refineries are going into uh, maintenance and just expectations that de- the demand, particularly from China, could ease as we go towards the end of the month. Okay, that's really interesting. And we touched briefly on ESPO before, when ESPO, I guess, is a, a larger flow and better well-known and probably more used as well as a comparison. And Argus is, is also the benchmark for ESPO blend? Yes, indeed. ESPO blend is a much bigger field. So you do get anywhere between 21 to 24 Aframex cargos exported. ESPO blend, though, it is exported from Russia's Far East, but from the Cosmino terminal. So spot cargos of ESPO blend are sold at differentials to Dubai, on a free on board Cosmino basis. But also on a term basis, sales of Espo blend from Cosmino typically used to buy plus the Espo differentials that are published by Argus. Just to be clear, that's 24 cargos a month, I guess, is that right? Roughly about 24 cargos. There are yeah, times yeah. when it's a little bit lower, but yes. 
34 FMX cargos. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that's a big, big flow, isn't it? And where does, where does Espo blend usually go? The bulk of Espo blend that is exported from Cosmino Terminal typically heads to China. So we see China as a big buyer of Espo blend. And every month, around 80 to 90% of the exports of Espo blend from Cosmino just regularly go into China. And a lot of it go into the independent refiners, which are mostly in Shandong. But uh, these independent refiners don't usually buy Espo directly from the Russian sellers. They just prefer to buy the cargoes on the spot market from traders, either Chinese traders or Western traders. And they buy on a delivered Shandong basis. So to reflect this market, Argus also has a separate price assessment for Espo blend for Shandong. So in addition to assessing Espo blend on an FOB Cosmino basis against Dubai, we also assess Espo blend on a DES or delivered x basis to Shandong. And this is at the differential to Icebrand because that's how the market trades. And this price assessment is actually followed very closely by traders as well as by Chinese refiners as they do use it as a reference price when they are negotiating their spot deals. Very, very interesting. And do you, are you seeing any more demand at the moment from China for, for Russian crude? To some extent, I think so. Typically, the Russian grades that move into China are Espo blend, to some extent Sokol, and a little bit of Caspian CPC blend and Euros. But we've also seen some volumes of Varende crude moving into China over the last year. The Tesco is moving cargoes of light sweet Varende blend to China for January arrival. And these were the first shipments into China since August. Right. So, as usual, a dynamic market and trade opening up and other trade closing, but um, certainly a lot happening. Well, thank you very much, Aslin. Uh, Aslin is the editor of the Argus Crude Report in Singapore, just to remind you. And uh, we've come to the end of the podcast. Thanks very much, Aslin. It's been a great uh, walk through the market of Sokol Blend. And um, if you have any more interest in uh, Argus's global crude pricing news and analysis, you can always subscribe to our Argus Crude service. For those looking more closely at Russian markets, our Argus FSU Energy service has great comprehensive coverage of the oil and gas markets in the FSU and uh, Central and Eastern Europe. You can find all this information on www.argusmedia.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining in the next episode of The Crude Report. Thank you.